MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Rush Hour with Danny Burke on VSIN, the sports betting network. Alrighty, what is happening, folks? Welcome to it. It is time for another edition of Rush Hour presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Danny Burke, your host, and as always, broadcasting live right here in Des Plaines, Illinois, out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook with plenty of content, sports betting wise, to dish out throughout the next 60 minutes. Let me tell you what we got on the slate. To begin the show, I'll give you my two cents on all the postseason action tonight. Game one of the NBA Finals, and we've got some Stanley Cup postseason look ahead with the Tampa Bay series. Obviously uh, not great for them last night, but there could be a viable bet in terms of them to win the series, which we teased a little bit last night. So we'll talk about that, and naturally we'll talk about the game on the ice this evening with the Oilers and Avalanche. Further along in the show, John Legaza going to be hopping on. Loves betting baseball. We love getting his energy and excitement on it. So 15 minutes from now, John will be hopping on. He's a writer over at The Athletic. 30 minutes from now, we will preview more in the NBA Finals. JVT Beeson, senior NBA analyst and co-host of The Edge and the Hardwood Handicappers podcast, giving his perspective all the analysis that he provides, that will be discussed in 30 minutes for Game 1 
between the Warriors and the Celtics. And then at the end of the show, I got a baseball play that I want to add. I'm sweating out this one that we talked about on the Chicago City cast with the White Sox and the Blue Jays. We took Toronto on the run line, and it was 4-3 to three heading into the top of the ninth. And, well, luckily the White Sox bullpen decided to implode once again because the Blue Jays now up 8-3. to three. So let's hope that the Blue Jays bullpen can be competent themselves and hold on to that lead. But, again, more baseball and some of the approaches I'm looking forward to on the diamond at the end of the program. But like I said, we shall begin looking at the postseason action beginning with the NBA Finals. Now, we had our bets revolving around this since Monday. We've had quite some time to handicap it and nothing in my mind has changed from my original position. But let's just first tee up where the odds currently are compared to where they open. Now, consensus-wise, it seemed like the opener was three at most shops, and the lowest total you kind of saw open up at was like 210 and a half. So in terms of the spread, we have seen Golden State get a little bit of love. A majority of the books got up to three and a half, and now, at least at Bet Rivers, for example, you've seen it go as high as four in favor of the Warriors. So they're laying four. They're also now laying minus 167. As for Boston, plus 143 is what you're seeing for the road underdog. Now remember the total open 210 and a half. This has now actually jumped a considerable amount. Even this morning it was like 213 and a half, I think. Now it's up to 214 and a half. The over, you're minus 110. The under, you're laying minus 112. So I guess a lot of betters are thinking there could be a lot of action with the scoring tonight, but I'm not touching anything with the total. If you've listened to any of the shows I've done, you know that I'm pretty much all on the Warriors for game one and for this series. But again, really quick, just throwing this out there so I don't forget, uh, injury status-wise, Robert Williams is questionable. Otto Porter Jr. questionable. Gary Payton Jr., he is on track to be available, but even if he is good to go, they're not sure they'll throw him into the rotation. So we'll see what happens with those guys, but I'm assuming that at least Robert Williams will for sure go. And uh, we'll have to keep tabs on Otto Porter and then Gary Payton Jr. But all right, like I said, the bets that I had in this series. I went Warriors win the series minus 150. I had Warriors game one money line minus 155, and then I also bet Steph Curry to win finals MVP at plus 125. Now, look, it's completely understood that I'm not getting the best of these numbers, right? I'm clearly late to the game on this, but I wanted to talk about it in real time, and I was just taking it series by series. But the reason that I do like the Warriors in this series, I, I, there's several reasons, but you look at Boston, and yes, you've had several days since they have played, but they still just had back-to-back seven-game series they endured with Milwaukee, with Miami. And I've said this before, and I'm beating a dead horse, but there have been moments where Boston's been a really unstable team, and their inexperience kind of has been showing. I mean, game five at home against Milwaukee, right? They had a double-digit lead a couple minutes ago. Milwaukee comes back, climbs back, and ends up winning. Yes, Boston won the series, so you tip your cap to them, but still, that kind of shows you that they are liable and susceptible to blowing leads late. Guess what? The same thing happened in game seven against Miami Heat. I was literally on a plane and I turned it off because they had a double digit lead. And then I was like, I'll just check just to be sure. And Jimmy Butler's missing that three. And if he made that, we would be probably having a different conversation. And even before they almost blew that, they had the perfect opportunity to seize that series at home against the Heat. They couldn't do it. So I am not in on the trust factor for the Celtics team. Whereas you look at a team like the Warriors, yes, we know they have the championship pedigree. They were kind of unstable themselves against the Grizzlies. However, against Dallas, that's when they kind of really got 
back into their true form. That's when they started looking like the Warriors of old. Clay was playing great. Wiggins was dominating on both ends. Curry was being Curry, and Jordan Poole still provided a lot of impact off the bench. And that's also the difference right there with those guys I just listed. They have scoring threats all throughout. Milwaukee, you had Giannis, who, yes, is arguably the most dominant player in the NBA, but no Chris Middleton, you didn't have a reliable scorer aside from Giannis. And then with the Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler was doing the brunt of the workload. Bam was just all over the place. Kyle Lowry, need I say more? Max Struess wasn't hitting threes consistently. P.J. Tucker, okay, yeah, we'll hit a three every now and then. What I'm saying is this offense doesn't even compete to what is going to be broadcasted out there by this Golden State Warriors squad. And guess what? They're pretty damn good defensively as well. So I think the Warriors have the advantage in all of those regards. They have the home court advantage. And I think the narrative sets up nicely for the Warriors. Missing it last year, missing the postseason, saying they're going to be back. They're doing it without Kevin Durant. And that also factors into Steph Curry in his finals MVP. Plus 125 was the best number I saw in Illinois on Monday. He has not won it when Iguodala, then KD, and then KD again. It is Steph Curry's time to shine and hold that trophy up. So I like Steph Curry to win finals MVP. And if you don't want to lay the price with the Warriors on the series, that would be my alternative bet to recommend to you. And as for game one, home teams, 23-3 straight up in game one of the NBA finals since 1990. That's at least what I saw. I, you know, take that into account as much as you will. You don't have to. But even if I didn't see that stat, and that's not factoring into how I thought about really betting this, just something I thought was interesting, but the Warriors in game one, I just feel like have the advantage all throughout. Now, you could talk about rest versus rust, but it's kind of evened out at this point having the three days off. But again, I do think if anything's going to take a toll, it's going through those two long series for Boston. They have to get the lead immediately in my mind because there's going to be so hard for them to dig back down because they can be matched up really soundly with a guy like Andrew Wiggins, who you could put on Tatum, Clay Thompson, who you could put on Brown. Put Steph Curry on Marcus Smart. That's fine. You don't have to worry about Smart. Draymond takes one of the big guys. Yeah, Boston has the advantage with the bigs, but you'll let him beat you. You can't let Tatum and Brown beat you, especially Tatum. And Tatum and the Celtics can't afford to have an off night where he scores 10 points, which we have seen in some of these other series. Right? The Warriors can get one of their guys having an off night because they got other guys to help. The Celtics with their starting rotation, not so much. I think it begins tonight with Golden State getting a dub. I laid minus 155 on the money line and again took him in the series and also took Steph Curry finals MVP plus 125. So that's what I'm rocking with on the hard one uh, on the hardwood, excuse me, for game 1 of the NBA Finals. But let's flip it over. Let's talk some hockey this evening because, uh, well, uh, we got potentially another high-scoring affair with Edmonton and Colorado. Did you already lock in the over? Oh, I didn't touch anything on it. I just can't really get myself to betting a total over seven and a half in a hockey postseason game or even in a hockey game in general. The total opened seven with some shade on the over minus 125. And like I alluded to now, it's at seven and a half. The overs plus 114, the unders minus 134, Colorado's minus buck 90 on the money line, Edmonton is plus 160. Puck line for Colorado, you're getting plus 125. If you want to take the puck in the hook with Edmonton, it's minus a buck 48. Now, Darcy Kemper, we know, exited the last game. 
I last I saw it looked like Franco's had a decent opportunity to start tonight. Now the argument could be made it doesn't really matter who's playing goalie based on what we saw in game one because Kemper's not that reliable. He's not that strong in between the pipes this postseason. It matters about the offenses and getting the quality opportunities. Well, both teams are capable of that and both goalies are susceptible to just being brutal like we witnessed in game one. So I'm not putting any stock in Mike Smith, but what I will say is if you wanted to bet something, I think you'd only have to go on the side of Edmonton or you're doing Colorado puck line, but you're not laying minus 190 with Colorado. I think I, if again, if I were doing it, I would take the plus money with Edmonton, but I'm not going to touch that area. What I'm going to do is the over five and a half games at plus 105. Now, we talked about this last night, so I won't spend too much time on it, but we assume that Colorado would win game one because originally over five and a half was minus 132. We were waiting for a better price, and then we got it. You saw how game one went, folks. This could be a very just sporadic series that could go deep. So I'm going to take the plus money to bet on that and go over five and a half games for this series. Speaking of a series bet, uh, we didn't look too good with Tampa Bay and the Rangers going under last night, that's for sure. I probably just, I mean, obviously I should have opted out of it, but, you know, it was getting steamed, and I did like the idea of that one being a little bit lower score. I don't think you're going to get another high-scoring affair in this game, for game two, rather, but nevertheless, that's not what I'm interested in. What I'm interested in is the updated series price on Tampa Bay. Now you're getting them plus 106. I still think they're the better team. Still not sold on this Rangers squad. I am sold on Shesterkin and the Rangers at home, but I mean, Tampa Bay now at plus 106. We have seen this before already this postseason. I'm going to pull the trigger on it and hopefully take advantage of it. So because of the big adjustment, even after just one game, I think Tampa Bay could get game two for sure. Then the odds are going to switch way back in favor of Tampa Bay again. So I'm going to capitalize, hopefully, and take this plus 106 as of this moment. So that's my other series bet. Tampa Bay with the adjusted series price plus 106. Edmonton, Colorado over five and a half games. And you know we're all over the Warriors tonight. All right, more coverage on the NBA later, but let's go over to the Diamond. John Legay is going to be joining us, writer at The Athletic. What are his plays in baseball this evening? That will be discussed next right here on Rush Hour. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion and all of that to be centered around your local teams, well, remember that Bet Rivers has you covered because Bet Rivers has launched a series of city casts that are designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. And you've got these city casts available in Chicago, Denver, Detroit. Los Angeles, New York, Philly, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C. So make sure you subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts available, and you'll get set up with multiple episodes a week and great local sports betting content. All righty, back in the mix here on Rush Hour. Appreciate you being with us on this Thursday evening. It goes final, and we cash in our bet with the Blue Jays' run line that I discussed on the Chicago City Cast a little bit earlier today, speaking of the City Cast. And hey, speaking of baseball, let's get deeper into it with tonight's slate here on Rush Hour as we welcome on John Legaza, who 
covers it just so excellently. And John, I know you look at it from all different angles and you do a great job covering it over at The Athletic. And we love seeing your bets. And you and I were kind of just cracking up here in this break <laughs> going, man, it, you know, it, it takes a toll on you if you're betting these games the full extent, right? Going the full nine. And you've kind of had this mantra, it seems, that you're transitioning over to the first fives a lot more. Is this something that kind of happened to you last year? Or is this predominantly been occurring this season? Well, it really, it's been this evolving process and which I always encourage people to do. There really is a very fine line between system hopping, something we don't want to do, but also back testing and verifying our own process. Now, hopefully it's back tested before we go live. That's another conversation for the day. When I first started developing my moving averages algorithm, I realized a lot of games were spinning out of control with bullpens. My algorithm was a lot better at predicting starting pitching, right? It makes a lot of sense. Wonkiness as far as usage, plus actual production relievers, we never know quite what we're gonna get. So I started removing bullpens just to remove a variable, something I know betters are always looking to do. And then what you and I were talking about really has become the prevailing factor for me. And this is what I really wanted to be clear with. I wasn't telling you I only bet F5s because it's the sure path to guaranteed success. That is not the truth. But one thing it certainly protects, that I can absolutely guarantee it protects, is my emotional capital. And I know, man, I'm a really cool cat. A lot of sports bettors are. But who wants to go in these three-hour emotional roller coasters? And a lot of times the game becomes driven to an outcome that wasn't part of our process in handicapping. So I like to stay within my own thing, as many, eliminate as many variables as possible. And then hey, you didn't get to sleep early, right? What's that's gotta be worth something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, nothing's worse than when you're just like staying up so late to only see your bet lose in just an incredibly brutal fashion like that'll sting you for quite some time. But you, yeah. you bring up a very good point too, John. I mean, when you're handicapping these games, a majority of your handicap is gonna be on the starting pitchers anyways. And yeah, you wanna consider the bullpen absolutely but I do find myself really kind of just separate like it's really got to be something huge for the bullpen like if their ERA is just atrocious and it's like all right you know I'm not trusting them no matter how much I like them for the full game or may not like the starting pitcher as much like you really got to consider what that bullpen may bring to the table from what we've seen the past few seasons where you can't trust these bullpens anymore and obviously in totals with a runner on set you know that's a whole different conversation but you're right I I completely get why you would kind of tend to lean more toward those first five bets. So uh, I hear you there. And, well, look, I know uh, you got one right away here that we can get into with the Orioles tonight. Baltimore taking on Seattle. It was funny. Someone came up to me here at the sportsbook and uh, was talking to me about Baltimore. And I was like, you know, this team, I just don't have a read on whatsoever. I haven't done anything betting on them or against them. But tell us what you got involved in this game later tonight. Well, one, I love the price right off the bat, so I'm always more attracted to a bet with a plus in front of it than a negative because it keeps my win percentage needed down. But Baltimore is not terrible, and I think they carry a lot of the bad team bias, but also some of it is legit. They're in an extremely difficult division surrounded by extremely difficult hitting environments except when they play at home. And that's going to be the base we're getting at today. So let's look at the away side. So it's the Seattle Mariners. They're going to try and take us to the gun show with Chris Flexen. But I'm not buying what he's selling. 
447 ERA, a 1-4 whip, and 795 OPS. I often use OPS with ERA and whip. You know, any two points can make a line, but not every three points make a line. That 795 OPS really invalidates the ERA and really has us looking more at the whip. The in-zone contact rate up where 90, which we expected from Flexen, but he used to throw a lead ball. He doesn't anymore. That shot put has turned into a discus. It's 43% fly ball, 11% barrel, almost two home runs per nine, a nearly 440 expected Woba on contact. When Meaning that's a strict contact-related metric. So when other opposing teams are getting the bat and the ball, they're destroying it. Well, he's not getting it past anybody. So this has been really crazy. He had a great start, and the opposite of buying the dip on Wall Street is selling the rip. I'm selling the rip on flexing the fastball with the 650X slug. In particular, righties have beat him up. That's Mount Castle with a 25% barrel. Aside from the Baltimore F5, which I'm going to promote right now and tout it, I also have onto the Trey Mancini over one and a half total bases. He has a 14% barrel rate on the year against right-handed fastballs and an 1,100 OPS last 32 plate appearances also against righties. Wow. The flip side to Jordan Lyles, that home park, man, six ERA in the road, a two ERA at home. He has not given up a home run, which is his bugaboo. He's great at home. I don't know. Hey, man, maybe it's a good breakfast playing Legos with the kids in the morning, but he does work at home, man. I love Baltimore today for the first Five. I'm going to go to bed early with that money in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I dig it. We'll be sweating out the first half of that game and then not giving a damn about the latter half. That's the way to do it, John. Uh, let's look at some other games on this slate tonight. Now, this one's starting a little bit earlier, I guess, in about 20 minutes or so. You got the Marlins and the Giants. Miami laying about minus 148. San Francisco plus 125. Short total at seven with the juice on the under, minus 120 to be exact at Bet Rivers. It looks San Francisco, I kind of expected some regression out of them, and I'm sure a lot of people did. But, you know, this team has been kind of volatile this season, and I'm not betting this one in any side. But I guess I could see why San Francisco's not getting that much love in the market here. Well, yeah, I think better is, remember, with legalization is bringing a lot of novices, and it's not to put anything against them, but there's lessons that we learn early on. And I think particularly with baseball, you mentioned quite you know, astutely, most of the handicapping revolves around starting pitching, and people see surface statistics. 4-8-1 ERA, this is Alex Wood, a 1-9 whip. That's really bad, but, 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 3-11 XFIP, a 3-4 Sierra, 17% K minus walk, 50% ground ball, 24% hard hit. These are all the things I love to sink my teeth into. My problem here is the price. We know Sandy Alcantara is awesome. I guess the Marlins are still kind of bringing some of that bad team bias. Sandy Alcantara straight up looks like an ace. Seven innings pitch minimum, one earned run maximum. The last four. The thing is, the Marlins are very bad at hitting lefties. I was hoping we were going to get a really, really delicious price on the Giants so I could get a near even price on the run line. But that has not been the case. So I think I'm going to end up with you. I really like the Giants plus one and a half. I like the Giants plus half run line for that five, but I just can't pay the juice minus 140 or greater. So yeah, my lean today and this one's up against the wall, I think. All right, John, I need you to tell me why the hell the Dodgers can't beat the Pirates. I mean, what gives? It makes absolutely no sense, defies all the laws of physics, at least in baseball. And of course, then we see them tonight against the Mets and they're laying minus a buck 80, but Gonsolin has been a stud. So what do you make of the Dodgers' inability to overcome Pittsburgh? And are you putting stock in them to bounce back tonight? All right, well, I think we have yes, yes, no, yes, yes, no. Okay. Here's the thing, and I'm so happy. It's not that I'm happy the Dodgers lost, lost because they left me flat cold and all my, you know, grandparents in Brooklyn so many years ago. 
it's because this is one of the things that my handicapping revolves around. And it's, you know, waka, 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 the moving averages moniker. But it has to do with trend indication. And we just don't get perpetual production. We get sine waves. Things happen in peaks and valleys. And when you get crossing, converging peaks and valleys, sometimes those things will, you know, come with outcomes we wouldn't expect. But I'm not just talking it. I was on with Gil that night. Zach Thompson, we had the Pittsburgh Pirates. That was my play of the day. And it happens. Even the worst teams win 60-some-odd games every year. And the public just has struggles with that. The Giants are going to be fine, and the Pirates are also going to be bad, most likely. But it does happen here and there. I'm just not worried about it. I'm not overreacting. Now, and we got about like 30 seconds, John, but in, in a spot like that, though, where you back the Pirates, what really gave you the edge to want to see Pittsburgh there? Was it just strictly pitching? Was it more with hitting? I mean, what kind of gave you that yeah. confidence? Yeah, it's really a pitch mix change that I'm really just looking for 15 outs. I think people stress the offense too much. Oh, the Dodgers are going to score 100 runs every game. Yes, it seems that way, but that's just not reality. So, again, with F5 betting, where better teams will generally outlast the lesser talented team five innings man i love those underdogs and what brings me to it it's the price at plus 165 we can throttle the risk and still reap the profit i like it well hey john appreciate you making some time as always best of luck oh, thank you. with the orioles and the prop tonight and hopefully yes, you can get some you. good rest once they cash in early enough for you <laughs> thanks man you bet john legaza folks follow him on twitter at mlb moving avg Fantastic content. All things baseball, as you know, covers it over at The Athletics. Always love catching up with John. And coming next, we'll catch up in the NBA with decent senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel. So more coverage when it comes to the Celtics and Warriors. I think he's going to be going against me. But again, we'll pick his brain regarding it next here on Rush Hour. The VEASAN Summer Special is here and for only $39 you get everything VEASAN has to offer from right now to the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with some of the best betting content in the business right here at vcin.com. And guess what? Subscribers will have access to all of it. It includes Adam Burke's daily Major League Baseball best bets, Jonathan Von Tobel having all of his coverage throughout the NBA Finals, and don't forget, Andy McNeil will be breaking down all of the action on the ice throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs. Don't forget, we'll also have lots of NFL preseason coverage, not to mention continued best bets, along with premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. So if you want the full VEASAN experience, which also features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, and use of our betting tools, don't forget that live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $39, and you can be a subscriber through July 31st. Check it out now at vsin.com slash summer. That is vsin.com slash summer. Okay, welcome back to the show. It is Rush Hour. Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bet River Sportsbook. But we're going to kick it out to the West Coast in Sin City to be exact as VEASAN senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel joining us now to preview game one of the NBA finals. You can follow JVT on Twitter at me, JVT. Catch him 
co-hosting The Edge here on VEASAN and obviously the Hardwood Handicappers podcast and his write-ups with so much extensive analysis, research, insight at VEASAN.com. Every single day there will be a game at JBT. I've been loving to read uh, every time we've got some action because you look deeper into it and different perspectives than you're going to get from most people, and that's a great thing about it. And when you look at this series with Golden State and Boston, you know, I, I'm, based on what I've read, I mean, I obviously already know which way you're leaning, but I'm assuming you're kind of on a little bit of the minority in terms of where the general public is going to be. So uh, why don't you explain to everybody kind of what your first thoughts were when you knew this was going to be the matchup and what really your immediate thought was in terms of the betting angle to do? Uh, well, as far as the series is concerned, look, I, I like the Celtics team a lot. Uh, they have been my highest power rated team for a little bit now. Um, and I think when you look at them, it starts with them defensively and what they're able to do, Danny. And they're a team that's uniquely equipped to handle a Golden State team that loves to run handoffs and off-ball stuff and, and cuts to the basket. They, they are going to be equipped, whether they want to roll out their traditional lineup with Al Horford and Robert Williams out there in the front court, if they want to go smaller, put Grant Williams at a power forward. They're just a switchable bunch who play really good defense. They're going to have a size advantage in this matchup. So when you figure that this is going to be the case, it, it was a circled Boston here. Now, I will say... Where I changed a little bit on my stance, and I wrote about this in the NBA Finals preview, which was, you know, when the conference finals were set, if you were to ask me what's the series price between Boston and Golden State, uh, regardless, you know, because they have home court, Golden State does, I would have said Boston like minus 120. It, now, though, we know how much home court's worth, all that good stuff. Golden State deserves to be favored in the series because of what they have in terms of home court. However, I still think if we're talking about minus 150 or so, it's a little bit of a high price on the Warriors. So I still think there's value if you haven't gotten into a series price yet on the Boston Celtics. But I think they just match up really well with Golden State. I think there is a reason why that this is the lone franchise with a winning record against the Golden State Warriors in the Steve Kerr era because of the bodies that they have that uniquely match up with what the Warriors have. So I think this is a series that sets up well for the Boston Celtics. Yeah, and, and I completely agree with that. I mean, in terms of, like, the big man advantage, Boston's got them there, and I think they have some depth off the bench that will really just help carry them to make this a long series. I mean, at the end of the day, I am on the side of Golden State, so uh, we will be button heads in that regard. But I get any reasoning why you would look at the side of Boston based on how they've done really since January and then after that, Mark. But, JBT, I guess another reason that maybe I'm not too convinced on Boston, there's been these blips throughout this postseason to where they've blown these leads and they've shown that they can be a little bit unstable and maybe that's just the ebbs and flows of basketball. Maybe that's a lack of experience in this department. But, you know, you look at that game five at home against Milwaukee where they lost that game. You look at game six, losing at home to the Heat and almost blowing that double-digit lead uh, in Miami in game seven. I mean, do those things concern you a little bit or is it kind of just, look, it happened in the past, new series, new dynamic? No, I think you're absolutely right to point those out. Let's put some numbers behind them. In the regular season, Boston was 26th in clutch time net rating. For those who know what clutch time is, it's game within five points either way with five or fewer minutes left to go. Tight games, close games. Not only did they have a negative net rating and they were 26th, they, had, they were outscored by 9.5 points for 100 possessions in clutch minutes. They were 13-22 and 22 straight up in games that entered clutch minutes in the regular season. Wow. And in the postseason... They were six and four in the 10 games in which they played clutch minutes, but they still came out with a negative net rating. And the problem in those minutes, Danny, because their defensive efficiency actually maintains itself in clutch minutes. The problem is their offense. And you kind of alluded to some of the blown leads. The blown leads weren't because of their defense. It's because their offense has been terrible. Look at the end of that Eastern Conference Finals game seven. Shots that would from three from Marcus Smart with 11 seconds left on a shot clock when there's over a minute left to go. Those little things like that, you can't be doing it. 
missed free throws by guys down the stretches of certain games. In game six of the Eastern Conference Finals, Jalen Brown misses a free throw, or two of them, excuse me. Derek yeah. White fouls P.J. Tucker when he shouldn't. So it's those little things that have held them back in these scenarios. So I think you're right in pointing that out and feeling like this is going to be something that pops up in the series. Very well could. It very could well you know, make this series longer than it should be, much like the Eastern Conference Finals were. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, they have enough to overcome those. The wins that they do have, you would think they're going to be relatively comfortable. They're capable of winning close games, but we've seen it throughout the end of the regular season and into this postseason. Their wins tend to come more comfortably because they don't want to get into those clutch minutes. It's the games in which they look their best and can extend that lead. That's when they're most comfortable. Absolutely. Well, JVT, let's get into it for tonight's game. Game one at Golden State. The Warriors, at least at Bet Rivers, now up to a four-point favorite. Minus a buck 67 money line. Boston's catching plus 143. This total's getting a lot of love to the over. Now up to yeah. 214 and a half. Did you get involved for anything with game one, or are you kind of just sweating out the series bets as of this moment? No, see, I'm kicking myself a little bit because uh, when this total first got posted on Sunday, I was like, hey, you know, 210 and a half, that's pretty low. Uh, but it didn't really do anything with it. And sure enough, we're up to 214, as you mentioned. So I agree with the market move. Now, up to what point? If we're getting to like 215, then maybe I'm going to be enticed to play this underneath the total uh, in terms of game one. But as far as the game is concerned, uh, I've gotten greedy here. I'm going to wait to see if I can get four and a half. We saw a bunch of fours pop up early this morning. There was buyback. Uh, the uh, South Point, in fact, took a five-figure bet on the Celtics at plus four, so there is some respected money out there. The uh, Westgate Superbook has reported some respected money on the Celtics, both series and for game one. So I like Boston in this scenario. A lot of people are going to talk about the Warriors, and they're 9-0 straight up, 7-2 against the spread. They have a plus 16.6 net rating at home in this postseason. But this is a Celtics team, Danny, that has responded on the road, not only in the playoffs, but in the regular season. If you take their road record, both regular season and postseason, they have covered 66.7% of their road games. In this postseason, they have a plus 7.9 net rating away from home in non-garbage time minutes, which is the league best. They have the league best record on the road, which is 7-2 straight up, 8-1 against the spread. I trust them in this kind of a scenario. You can kind of miss me with the, I've heard a lot of the, oh, man, bad spot, game seven. Now you got to come on the road. To play. Yeah, that was on Sunday. These are elite athletes. They've had three days off. I think the Celtics are perfectly fine to come out and respond pretty well. So I'm going to see what I can get here. I'm hoping for four and a half to play Boston tonight. Yeah, we definitely could get it. Golden State been kind of uh, trending in that direction, open as low as three. Now it's been at four. Like you said, a majority of books at four, and we still got plenty of time till we get to tip off. So maybe you'll get that number for game one. And, uh, Jamie T., before we get you out of here, too, I got to ask you, finals MVP pick. I mean, obviously you're on the side of Boston, and Jason Tatum would be kind of the obvious answer, but do you maybe see value somewhere else for finals MVP on the side of Boston? Uh, Jalen Brown, I bet him at 13 to one to win finals MVP. Uh, I, I think that he is the most viable option now. Uh, Circa actually opened up Marcus Smart at 100 to one, uh, and that was definitely worth a play. It's down to 20 to one now. A liability built up pretty quick over there. But I think if you're looking at this, Jalen Brown, if they're going to win this series, which I believe they are, uh, Jalen Brown is going to average well over 20 points. He averaged 24 in the series against Miami. He's a very good shooter in the range of 38, 39 percent, 40 percent. If he's going to have an impact like I think he is and the Celtics can win this series at 13 to one, that's a really good value play. This guy, at least by my numbers, should be about nine, eight to one to win finals MVP as opposed to 13 to one. So give me Jalen Brown. I got him at 13 to one. Okay, well, hey, JVT, in a hypothetical scenario, if Golden State wins, do you think it's Steph's to lose, kind of based on that narrative that we yeah. talk about with these awards? I mean, obviously, you got to look at the stats, but assuming Steph still does Steph things, he's kind of due to win this. 
Yes, absolutely. Look, there's there's not many universes, right? Uh, if you're a Marvel fan, many multiverses. There's not many multiverses in which uh, the Warriors win this series and Steph Curry doesn't win finals MVP. That's not to say a guy like Klay Thompson can't, Danny, but I, I've heard them thrown around like, hey, man, a great number at like 15 to 1. It's not. Klay Thompson has not been consistent at all. And if you're telling me that you're getting him at 30, 40 to 1, then you can talk me into it. But right now, given the way he's played inconsistently, like a guy coming off of two major injuries, I just don't think that's a viable option at the current price. So, yes, I would agree with that, especially if you get him at like plus 110, which some spots are offering. Curry's going to be that play, that play for Golden State, and that's about it. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, hey, JVT, we are up against it, but thank you for making some time tonight. Enjoy the game, and best of luck with your plays, my friend. Thanks, man. You too. You got it. JVT, folks, make sure you follow him on Twitter, at me, JVT. And I'm telling you, his write-ups, just absolutely the best. Everything and all things NBA at VSIN.com. And you can hear more from him and Matt Humans co-hosting the Edge here on VSIN and the Hardwood Handicappers podcast. He tweets out all the links, at me, JVT. One more segment to go here on Rush Hour. I'm going to dish out one more baseball bet and look at a couple other games that I think could be interesting to maybe dabble with some wagers. So one more segment. Stick with us as we are here on Rush Hour. Sports Betting Network. Bet Rivers is your home for betting on the French Open. Log in any day of the French Open to receive a profit boost of 20%, and you can use that on any live in play bet on the French Open. So again, make sure you check it out at the Bet Rivers app because we know how great the men's draw is. It's been loaded and a blast to watch. And again, you can apply that 20% profit boost when you log in at BetRivers.com or on the Bet Rivers app. Terms and conditions apply. See site for more details. Okay, like we said, it is our final segment on this Thursday evening. Appreciate you taking some time watching the show or listening. Again, I'm Danny Burke, your host, and you can always follow along on Twitter at DannyBurke5 and for VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, at VEASAN Live on the tweets. So we've gone over all the postseason action tonight with hockey and with basketball. We've touched on a little bit of baseball, but I want to expound on the plays we've got on the diamond for tonight. So uh, we talked about it on the Chicago City Cast, wherever you get your podcasts available, by the way. And, you know, we were sweating out the Blue Jays' run line and fading one Chicago team tonight. But I'm not going to be fading the other. Actually, I'm going to be backing the other team. That's right. I'm going to trust the Chicago Cubs tonight as they host the St. Louis Cardinals at the friendly confines. Now, uh, just setting the stage a little bit more. So this game open to pick them minus 108 each way with the total at eight and the hook. Total still at eight in the hook. A little bit of juice to the over, minus 118. The Cardinals at Bat Rivers are minus 110, and the Cubbies are minus 106. Run line for St. Louis, plus 150. And if you want to take the run of the hook with the Cubbies, minus 180. So, again, the markets may be telling you, hey, you trust the Cardinals a little bit more so here. And, again, if that's your thought process, I really couldn't argue against you just based on how these teams have fared up to this point. But we got to consider this pitching matchup here. So Chicago, they did win their last two games against Milwaukee, maybe a little bit of momentum. The Cardinals have won their last four out of five games, so they absolutely have some momentum. 
but Chicago has the, piss, uh, the pitching advantage here with Keegan Thompson, the righty, who started off in the bullpen, right? Now he has progressed into a full-time starter, and he's got a record of 5-0, an ERA of 1.58, a whip of 1.03, a FIP of 3.49, and an even better Sierra of 3.40. Now, if that didn't convince you enough, well, they are pitching at home, or he is pitching at home tonight. And at Wrigley, he's got an ERA of 1.09, 2.44 Woba, and a FIP of 2.66. There is not really a concerning stat for Keegan Thompson when you look at it. Really, the only thing that, you know, would give you some trepidation is the fact that he's got a 4.84 FIP on the road. But again, that doesn't matter because he's pitching at home. All right, well, let's look at the opposition with St. Louis. Matthew Libertor, uh, the lefty here. So this is going to be, I believe, his third start in the majors. The first start, he kind of got rocked by Pittsburgh, allowed seven hits and four earned runs. But then against Milwaukee, bounced back when five innings pitched, just two hits and no earned runs. Overall, his numbers, 1-0, 3.72 ERA, 1.45 whip, 4.18 FIP, 4.66 walks per nine innings. That's a little bit alarming. And his Sierra is definitely concerning at 4.68. So he's a southpaw. He's had one good outing, one not good outing. So you can't really fully take his stats into account. I guess you could put it that way. But, you know, I'm definitely not looking to trust. I, if anything, you know, I'm looking to fade him more so than putting stock in Libertor as at this point. Based on the fact he got rocked by the Pirates and realistically in this sense more so that the Cubs have hit better against Southpaws. Uh, 726 OPS against lefties for the Cubbies. 294 Babbitt. 320 Woba and a 103 WRC plus. No, the numbers ain't going to blow you away, but it's enough to put maybe a bet on this team with a good pitcher like you got with Keegan Thompson. Now, conversely for the Cardinals, they dominate lefties, right? I mean, they're one of the best teams hitting southpaws this year, but Keegan Thompson is a righty. And the Cardinals against righties, 696 OPS, 287 BABIP, 309 Woba, 101 WRC+. So the Cubs look like they have the nod with the situational hitting in this spot and the nod with the pitching matchup. Now the bullpens are fairly similar as well. I mean, Cubs 3.80 ERA, St. Louis 3.70. But I don't want to give St. Louis, in a team that is better and has better hitters, more opportunities to potentially win this game. So like we were discussing with John Legazo, why don't we opt in to betting the first five? We're backing these starting pitchers anyways, or rather we're backing Thompson and fading Libertor and against these specific pitchers who throw a certain way, whether it's lefty versus righty. So why not try to keep it contained to that and just bet first five? So that's what I did, and I did it to the side of the Cubs. You were actually getting some momentum with the first five money line throughout the day on the side of Chicago. Right now at Bet Rivers, minus 117 is the price. I think I snagged it like minus 105 really earlier in the day when we discussed it on the Chicago City cast. But I absolutely think the Cubs are a viable option here on the first five money line. I'd rather bet that than bet them for the full game because, again, St. Louis does have a lethal lineup, and the Cubs' bullpen has taken a step backwards these last couple of weeks it seems and hopefully we can get Keegan Thompson to be reliable again and hopefully these Cubs bats can take advantage of a young inexperienced southpaw so give me Cubbies on the money line for the first five took it minus 105 right now at Bet Rivers it's minus 117 other game that really was on my radar and you know what I'll be honest I did take a little piece of it but 
I don't think I'm going to throw it out there as an official play, but I, I just want to throw this out there for maybe another game for you to consider to bet tonight. And this is going to be this Padres and Brewers matchup. And this game is really intriguing because you've seen this market move so much to the side of San Diego. Not so much, but enough to where it's considerable. I mean, they opened plus 105, and now they're minus 110. Milwaukee was minus 125, and now they're just minus 106. Total is at 8.5. So uh, these teams just played at the end of May, and the Padres, I believe, won two out of three back at home. Adrian Hauser faced them in one of those games, and he's facing them again tonight. And he did not do, well, actually, sorry, he did fairly well in that game, but the offense for Milwaukee did not do great. But he went six innings, allowed four hits and just one earned runs, racked up four Ks. Padres won three to two in 10 innings. But overall, Hauser has kind of been a liability. He's three and five, 3.69 ERA, but his Sierra is 4.48. So a liability in the sense of he's had a couple of games where it's been really bad and you just don't know what you're going to get out of him on any given situation. But he has pitched a lot better at home. Sub 2 ERA, Woba of 248, and a FIP of 2.97. Also, the Padres actually not hitting that great against righties. 27th in OPS, uh, BABIP of 284, 286 WOBA, which is 27th, and a WRC plus of 86. So nothing that would give you conviction in the Padres per se. Yet again, the market's moving their way because of the volatility potentially that you can see out of Hauser. Or it's because Sean Manaya, the southpaw, even though his ERA is over four, the other metrics are telling you he could be due for a quality start because he's got a whip of 1.11, a FIP of 3.88, and a Sierra of 3.55. And he has not faced the Brewers, whereas Hauser, the Padres have seen him, so maybe getting another go-around at him will give them the advantage in this spot. But again, the Brewers also not hitting well against this specific situation. Against lefties, they got the lowest batting average in the majors, 209. All right, they got a 648 OPS versus Southpaws, 247 Babbitt, which is second to worst, uh, 291 Woba, and then 84 WRC Plus, which is 27th out of 30 teams. So both of these offenses don't do good in their respective situations. Hauser can be great, but he has been better at home. He already pitched well against the Padres. Manaya, you want to trust him in this spot, and I think you can, and that's kind of what the market's telling you here. I think this could be a lower-scoring affair. So my consideration for this game was first five under 4.5, minus 114 was the number I saw earlier today. Again, the full total is 8.5, but we're handicapping these starters. You don't want to have to trust these bullpens and the possibility it goes to extras and then adding on more runs. Now, Granted, I mean, the Brewers' bullpen is fantastic, but still. So if you're looking to get involved in a different game or in this game specifically, I think you should really consider the first five under four and a half runs. The juice is now minus 122 to under four in the hook. But again, these offenses not doing well in these particular situations. If you can just get some stability out of these guys, I think it will be a lower scoring affair. So a strong lean to the first five under four and a half. But our official play for baseball for tonight going to be taking the Cubbies on the money line throughout the first five. Let's go Cubbies. And aside from baseball, you know we're rocking with the Warriors tonight. Took a money line earlier this week, took their series price, and we took Steph Curry to win finals MVP at plus 125. So hopefully they get off to a hot, strong start against the Celtics team that is lethal, but I think Golden State has the advantage, so let's go Warriors in that regard. And then hockey tonight, man, 
Uh, we'll see if we get 14 goals once again, but we bet the series over five and a half games at plus 105, and then the series for tomorrow, which again, we'll talk about more so, but Tampa Bay on the adjusted series price, plus 106. That's a wrap for another edition of Rush Hour. Thank you for being with us. Enjoy the games tonight, and best of luck until tomorrow. Take care, ladies and gentlemen.